0: Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors, and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up. For your new Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You... Can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.
1: Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon.
2: Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 184. And today in the show, we are back with a new Rut Radio episode in which we are checking with hunters from across the country to get the latest on the progress of the whitetail rut, current deer behavior, and the tactics that are working right this very minute. And today we've got updates from states like Michigan, Vermont, Iowa, Kentucky, and more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear and we are back today with another rut radio episode and each week with our rut radio episodes we are checking in with a handful of hunters from across the country to get updates on what's happening right now with the whitetail rut, with whitetail behavior, with conditions that are impacting deer all that kind of good stuff, and then we also talk about what we should be doing as hunters to be trying uh, to fill those tags, obviously. So that's what we have in Slate uh, for today's episode, and with me to do that is uh, Spencer Newharth. Spencer, how are you? I am good. Uh, South Dakota has had some
3: rifle seasons open up now, and so I am off the sidelines finally, and I am back to hunting, so I uh, am as excited as anybody for mid-November to get here.
2: Yeah, so you you killed a buck in October, then you dropped off the map in South Dakota. You didn't hunt there for a while. You finally came back with this rifle season, and you wasted no time filling your tag, huh? That's right. Uh, Our
3: West River season opened uh, on last Saturday, and I was tagged out about 45 minutes into the season. So that was a a public land hunt. Um, Went in pretty far, set up, and and found the does, and, and then found the buck that i was after so it was a another quick hunt but luckily we have another season that opens
2: up here on this coming saturday so i'll be back at it again i'll tell you what i think i need to learn something from you because i've hunted like 23 out of the last 24 (laughs) days and like 15 of those have been all day sits and i haven't killed a damn thing so well let's talk about that a little bit mark like nobody is hunted as hard as
3: you here since we've hit November. How do you think the rut has played out? As far as do you think you've witnessed the different phases as as most people describe them, from the seeking and chasing to all the way up to now, which might be locked down. Do you feel like you've seen uh, everything that that most, hunter, most hunters expect to see come the rut? Yeah,
2: you know, I've seen a pretty good swath of it. Um, you know, as far as what I've seen here in Michigan, which, where I've spent 97% of my hunting time this year during the rut, um, which is different than usual. Usually I'm hunting a lot of places out of state, but as you know, have been so focused on Holyfield here that um, have kind of put all my, what's the saying? You put all your, uh, put all the Eight. somethings in a... I put, all, I put all my eggs in one i can hardly function right now spencer I'm, I'm running on a collective like 10 hours of sleep over the last two weeks so i'm just i'm to be honest i am not 100 with it anymore <laughs> um so what i'm trying to say is um here in michigan i started seeing like that good chasing happening right around you know early November, right around like the 1st, October 31st, November 1st, it started kind of kicking into gear. Um, started seeing the mature bucks, you know, relatively mature buck. There's, there's one three and a half year old buck in this little area I'm hunting. And then there's the five and a half year old, this Holyfield buck, um, start seeing them moving around, chasing a lot. And that's been pretty consistent all the way up until today. Um, have been seeing some chasing, but definitely the last like three, four days it has slowed down and I've been seeing, um, you know, maybe that lockdown type thing going on, um, where there's been long periods of absolutely nothing going on. And then every once in a while, you'll, you'll see one buck that's off cruising, still checking out, you know, trying to find another doe. Um, but definitely not quite as intense as it was maybe from like the second through the ninth or 10th. Um, but I, I, but I'm sure there's still action to be had. And, um, I spent a couple days in Ohio, um, November, I don't know what it was, 8th and 9th or 9th and 10th. And there was a little bit of cruising going on. Didn't see any chasing at all, but did see, I saw one buck, I think. Um, But between me and Josh, we saw a couple bucks that were cruising. Uh, And that's kind of the extent of it.
3: Yeah, well, that lockdown, like you talked about, that seems to be part of a theme in in this week's episode. Um, But I think we as hunters often have a problem where we kind of want to drop these dates in a box and say, okay, this is seeking and chasing, Uh, you know, this is pre-rut, this is lockdown, stuff like that. And that's just probably the wrong way to look at it. All these things kind of bleed into each other. And although we might be in, you know, lockdown right now, This is probably still a great time to find a buck on its feet and it's still better hunting, you know, than it was three weeks ago. And so mid-November can be tough, but, you know, as a hunter still looking for a mature buck, you probably shouldn't be too discouraged at this point.
2: Oh yeah, that's a, that's a great point because, and, and to your point that this quote unquote lockdown type period, it's, it's very subjective and it can be very much here and not there. So, you know, if you're sitting on this corner of a hundred acre property, you might be all sorts of chasing and crazy stuff going on while, you know, 500 yards, the other direction, it might be just completely dead. And that could be the case on November 1st, just as much as it could be on November 15th. Um, so yeah, to your point, don't be discouraged. If you can be out there in the woods, you should. Good things can happen. Um, it's it's still November. So that's uh I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say because I'm sure that there's been some good action happening and um and even though this quote unquote lockdown might be, you know, sort of what most people expect during mid November, um, I certainly still have high hopes. And for this week's episode we start in Iowa and talk to Jeff Lindsay
3: from the Lindsay Way. Then we go to Vermont and talk to Tim Beeble from the FourPointer.com. Then we talk to Jeff Danker from Buck Ventures in Kentucky. Then we go to Idaho, and with Bone
2: Maniacs, we talk to Shane Mallory. Sounds like a great group of uh, hunters to chat with. Uh, Anything that we need to know before we dive right into those interviews? I don't think so. Uh, Hopefully, when I talk to you next week, Mark, you have uh, some good news on Holyfield. Thank you. Hopefully, I will, too. Um, we've been saying this for like 10 weeks now or something. So hopefully we just don't even need to say that ever again, uh, for good reasons. And, um, I will do my best to make it happen. That's right. Until then, Mark, uh, fear, no evil and booyah. (laughs) Yep. We won't even go there, but for all those who know what he's talking about, (laughs) I'll talk to you later, Spencer. All
3: right. Bye. Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Jake Terry, who tells us about a rut hunt that turned on a dime.
4: Uh, my story starts uh, mid-November in Kansas. Saw it was going to be a cold front, low lows in the 40s uh, for highs, uh, made the drive to hunt public land, sat all morning without seeing a deer, wanted to get down several times, but knew that uh, this was the the time of year and the temperature that a big buck was going to be on its feet. Eventually, um, at 1230, I see my first buck, um, cruising across a CRP field, um, after a sequence of, uh, grunting to try to get the the buck to turn my way, finally hit a snort wheeze and he, he, um, you know, heads directly to my tree, kill him at 20 yards. And it ends up being, um, one of the biggest bucks I've ever taken with a bow and it was on public land. So, um, you know, very happy with that. Would have been all day sit, but I was prepared to sit all day um, and didn't see a deer till 1230. On Jake's
3: hunt, he was wearing Sitka's phonetic System. If you'd like to create a Sitka story of your own, or to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, visit sitkagear.com. Alright, and joining us on the line first is Jeff Lindsay out of Iowa with The Lindsay Way. Now, Jeff, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been
5: lately on a scale of one to ten? I'd say we're probably around an eight. Kind of been a, I don't want to say a trickle rut, because it seems like every year is a trickle rut, but it was really good uh, late October, and then the last couple of, um, you know, shut down with the moon, and then now it appears to be going back pretty good. My dad actually shot a buck this morning. Um, We've seen a, you know, a three-year-old, a two-year-old cruising this morning, but just based on the cameras and the daylight activity, it's as good the last two or three days as, as I've seen all year. It's still not what I would call, you know, wide open crazy rut, but it's as good as yet.
3: So what are your favorite techniques for killing a buck right now as far as hunting in the morning or evening or on food sources, bedding? What are you doing there in Iowa?
5: Well, right now, it's, you know, kind of like the lockdown. Bucks are coming on and off does, in my opinion and it can be deadly hunting food um late afternoon it seems like this colder weather the deer on the grains they're on the beans they're on the cut corn and i I like the last couple of hours you know on a food plot just in case a doe comes in last two or three hours i should say in case a doe comes in and maybe she's dragging a buck that you know he's trying to wait till the time is right for her he's tending her whatever but but in my opinion as far as you know, just killing a deer right now, it's all about seat time. You just got to, if it's daylight, daylight to dark, you can pull in all day or it's mentally, it's physically taxing. But if you can do it, do it. But, you know, just based on what I'm seeing on my cameras, 11 to 2, 11 to 2, 230, somewhere in there is the number one time for buck activity movement.
3: Well, this time of year being some of the best hunting all fall, do you think that moon phases
5: or weather fronts play a role in deer activity? Uh-huh. It seems like every year I know less and less about the moon because you hear all this stuff, you know, the red moon, the rising moon, the full moon, and all that. My opinion is, you know, the rut and those and heat and weather always trumps the moon. But I, but going back into the last two weeks, what everybody said was the prime moon, that late October moon. There was a lot of giant deer killed. The, the full moon, um, it was it was terrible. I mean, not not a whole lot of activity, daylight activity at all. And if you look back, this is the first time in our experience that, you know, you can look back for two weeks, and the weather's been pretty consistent. Usually it's going to get real hot or it's going to get real cold. We've had a couple of days where it got real cold. But looking back the last two, two and a half weeks, it's been fairly consistent weather. So this year, you know, I've, every, the way everything's lined up with the moon, it's made a little more sense. You know, the full moon was terrible. The red moon, the rising moon right before the red moon was good. And so it's a little... Like I say, it's a, it's a little more predictable, where you can monitor the uh, the moon when the weather's consistent. But if you're just getting cold front and getting hot, and cold front and getting hot, you're always going to you know see a lot more activity on those cold fronts.
3: What are your thoughts on some more aggressive
5: tactics right now,
3: like calling or decoying?
5: It, decoying um, right now, you just got to catch that buck in the right mood. Uh, the deer I shot Sunday afternoon was actually eating and the the other two big four and five-year-olds that I've seen were eating. So, you know, I don't think, if I think about it, I had a decoy out then, I think it would have blew my hunt. Um, but mornings for decoys right now, I think it's pretty good. Rattling in the morning's good. Um, I rattled in a buck this morning. But besides that, I hadn't had a whole lot of luck rattling this rut. I don't know what that can really be attributed to. And, and I rattle a fair amount, probably, you know, n- not as much as some people, but I, I think I, I bang the hor- horns a lot. But you know, as far as aggressive right now, I just, you know, seat time. I know I can't preach that enough. Just be in the stand. He's going to be walking. You're going to have some daylight walkers. Be in the stand, funnels in between bed and areas, pinch points, anywhere it's going to force a deer to go.
3: And your trail cameras right now, Jeff, are they giving you any good intel, or is that something that you don't focus on too much this time of year?
5: No, we're focusing on it a lot. You know, we got cameras running on scrapes, and then i got cameras on smaller food plots where I'm hoping – to catch a doe, um, you know, that'll have a buck in tow. And then, you know, I've never been a fan of, you know, checking trail cams every day, every other day, but right now I do, because you can go in and you can find a buck alone, you know, he's in between does, you go and just concentrate on that area. Or you go in, you gotta, you know, we put cameras on time lapses a lot in food plots and that buck may not walk by that camera, but you may see him, you can zoom in and see he's in that field. And usually if he's in that field, Unless he's getting ready to leave that doe, he's going to be with her another day or two. So we we check them a lot, a lot more than we do any other time of the year. So that that's why uh, cellular cameras are are really deadly this time of year.
3: How about going forward then, Jeff? In this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be in Iowa on a scale of one to ten?
5: I think it's going to start to uh, as far as cruising bucks. It's going to start slowing down. Um, after the 15th or through the 17th, somewhere in there, I, I like these next couple of days are actually some of my favorite. Um, so I think the best is probably, you know, we're in that window right now at that five to seven day window where the the real older deer are in the daylight activity the most. So I'd say if it's going to be a 10, if 10 is as good as it can get, it's going to be that in the next couple of days. Then after that, you're going to have to start focusing on the food sources and, and catching these deer you know, trying to refuel up for the rut.
3: All right, Jeff, well, I like your optimism, and thanks for joining me. Good luck this year. Thank you, man. Good luck. All right, and joining us on the line next is Tim Beeble from the FourPointer.com. Now, Tim, in Vermont, what would you say the bucket activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: I'm going to put it pretty high. I'm going to put it around a, an 8 or a 9. Um, I just, I've seen more scrapes lately than I've seen in, many prior years and uh, you know what I witnessed on Saturday was certainly a uh, good solid chasing activity from the deer I was able to harvest.
3: Well, Tim, you uh, just brought up scrapes there. Do you think those are active scrapes or are you just saying that uh, this has been maybe a little more intense rut that there's a lot heavier deer sign right now in the woods?
6: Yeah, I think that the scrapes are, are a little bit old, probably a half a week to a week old. Uh, based on what I saw on our opener on Saturday, um, you know they just looked had a few leaves in them. looked looked a little bit like they've just been uh, hadn't been tended to in a while. And I think that's because the Bucks are are either just cruising a little bit more or are actually with does and actively pursuing does at the moment.
3: Well, tell me more about that Saturday hunt that you had. Uh, in what was Vermont's
6: gun opener? There, where you tagged out? uh i was fortunate saturday to to take the biggest buck i've ever taken um it was i'm gonna say part skill just just being in the right place based on the sign that i was seeing um but there was quite a bit of luck involved too this uh he came through following a doe about a half hour before uh it got dark um he was just on her on her tail and uh you know it was one of those cases where i was just in the right place at the right time and i I couldn't be happier with the, with the buck I was able to kill. Uh, he's a great, really heavy deer. Uh, not much of a rat, but he's, uh, 214 pounds dressed, which is, which is a really big deer for around here. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic. And, and to see that kind of buck activity too is, is just fun. Um, and so it's a, it's a hunt I'll never forget. Um, I'm sure it was great to have my dad there with me. And, and, uh, like I said, it, it, something I'll never forget.
3: It sounds like you had a great opener in the 10. How about friends in the area? What are they reporting for buck activity?
6: Uh, I'm hearing more of the same. Uh, a couple of friends were fortunate enough to tag out as well. I mean, success rates aren't high around here, um, but but I, I certainly have heard of quite a few folks that have had had good luck out there this past weekend and, uh, and just some beauties being taken uh, for this area. Um, you know, Vermont's not known for really massive racks uh that's just not what's grown around here but a couple really really almost non-existent winters back to back has uh contributed to some to some great antler growth i would think you know instead of the deer just trying to survive the winter they they were able to put some of that energy into growing decent instead of the antlers and uh just some great pictures we have got people really
3: excited around here it's great so hunters who are having success in Vermont, what do you think their strategy has been? Are they looking for old buck sign and focusing on that? Are they looking for doe bedding? What do their techniques look like?
6: Um, You know, a lot of it around here, especially on the opener, um, is pressure related. You know, there's a lot of people that hit the woods on the first weekend. So a lot of the friends that I know that, that had bucks uh, come by them we're more a result of hunter pressure I would say. Um, but others, you know, same thing. They were just in feed sources or they had those, um, you know, bring a buck by. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's nothing out of the ordinary. I would, I would say to a hunter that's hasn't filled the tag yet. If, um, wondered for that piece of advice to me, it was just, I, I just went, found, I spent the whole morning looking for, you know, the best sign I could find. And then I parked my keister Right where I found the best sign, and, and hoped hope that a doe would bring a buck through, and that's that's what happened. I just I think right now, if you can find the does, eventually a, a buck's going to come through. Going forward, then
3: in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Vermont?
6: I think the tracing is going to continue. Um, you know, we we typically see bulk of the breeding take place in Vermont towards the end of November. In this not this week, but current, uh, but the next week, right around Thanksgiving. Um, so I really think that, that the bucks are still going to be chasing for the next week. So if, if somebody can find, uh, you know, where the does are and just wait them out, I think that's, that's key. Um, so, you know, I, I would put it at the same, same rating I gave, you know, for, for what I saw last weekend, I I think it's going to be up in the seven, eight, nine area for, for buck movement, just, uh, chasing does and trying to find them.
3: All right, Tim. Well, congrats on that great opener, and thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks a lot. Before we get to our next caller, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. And this week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Dave Skinner, a land specialist out of Kentucky. And Dave is going to be telling us about what to look for when trying to make a property more affordable.
7: There's several things. Um, You know, one of the big ones is I'm going to look for something that – that's not producing income. If I'm looking to get the per acre price down, um, you know, I'm going to avoid things like tillable, uh, tillable ground cause that drives the price up. Anytime something produces an income it's going to drive the price up. Also marketable timber. Uh, you've got to pay for that. You know, the gone are the days that you can buy a piece of property, cut the timber off of and walk away with the land and some cash. It just doesn't happen anymore. Um, and you know, in Kentucky, Uh, we've got, um, areas that have been strip mined for coal. So that reclaimed coal ground frequently can sell, you know, literally half of what similar acreage would sell for in the area. So reclaimed ground is is a great way to get ground down around a thousand dollars an acre. Um, you know, the habitat on that stuff is phenomenal. Um, and like I said, it's quite, quite a bit cheaper than other stuff in the area. Also, you know, maybe someone has severed the mineral rights in the past, um, sometimes that can get the price per acre down. Um, you know, conservation easements, uh, lack of road frontage, all those things will drive the price of, of acreage down. So, you know, that's you know, to save on the front end, that's the way you do it.
3: If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Dave currently has listed for sale, visit WhitetailProperties.com/skinner. backslash That's S-K-I-N-N-E-R. All right, and joining me on the line next is the host of Buck Ventures, Jeff Danker. Now, Jeff, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: Oh, man, I would say lately a 1 to 10. I mean, mature bucks is about a 2. Um, I've been in Kentucky for the last three days setting all day sets, and I've, I've not seen anything older than a three year old. So, it being a
3: 2, that seems pretty low uh, for mid November. Mm-hmm. You must think that they're in lockdown right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm i hunting a farm, a really good farm that we're managing. And, um, you know, we got some cornfields and lots of hardwoods, and, and um, I think they're just locked down. I mean, the dates line up with it, and, um, you know, just uh, I would bet 95% they're locked down.
3: And so what is your strategy then uh, during this stage of the rut?
1: My strategy with the lockdown always is just to recognize it, know what you're dealing with, but then just, and, and try to stay focused because so many times you, as a hunter, if you lose that focus and, and you you lose a detail, then, then you, you'll you get that chance to not be ready for it. So what I'm doing is I'm just waiting it out. So I'm, I'm still hunting the does. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do this time. You're playing good winds, but I'm setting all day. I'm staying all day. And a lot of times them big deer, when they break away from them, those will be midday and you'll catch one of them suckers out, sure enough, looking. And, and then right when that happens, you know, have those horns ready. When you see that big sucker by himself, you can call him in a lot of times.
3: So will you do any other aggressive tactics as far as uh, decoying or moving into those hardwoods quite yet?
1: Well, this farm right here is, uh, you know, I, I ain't saying that's a wrong tactic. On this farm, It's I got a lot of numbers, and so if you go in too deep, whatever – you know, you're going to run into a lot of deer. You're going to get those in the wrong places and, and the gig will be up. So I've been just being careful and just, um, I got a little time. So, uh, you know, weather's not great, but when they, they break, you know, I, I'm a firm believer if you have good access, if you play the wind right, and then put your time in setting all day, you will get that opportunity of a big mature deer.
3: Well, with those deer being in lockdown, do you think there's anything that can change for your favor um, besides the calendar day? Like if we were to get a, a weather front or any kind of moon phase right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, always when it's cold, you know, you're always going to have. Uh, you know, I always say this: weather will, will will outdo moon; it will outdo everything. So if you get weather, you get good dates. That's going to help, but at the same time, when them big deer get locked down, they're going to be with that doe three or four days. So. You gotta wait it out, and and um, you know, and not to say that at any time it can happen. One could break loose, but we we got good hunting uh, in the days ahead. A guy's just got to get through this lockdown, and, and and like I said, keep your wits about you because it'll drive you crazy this time of year.
3: Do you think the sign making has gone cold then, as far as rubs and scrapes?
1: Yeah, I mean I think there's some frustration with some rubs on some bucks and stuff, but as far as setting over a scrape, thinking there's going to be a big deer come in and freshen it up you're, you're probably wasting your time right now. All right, Jeff, well, with it
3: being locked down, it sounds like pretty tough hunting right now, but do you think there's anything uh, that can be done from a hunter's perspective if you find some deer that are locked down right now?
1: Well, I mean, you know, the one thing as a bow hunter, you know, when you see them, don't be scared to, to do a spot and stock on a whitetail. tail. You know, I know that's not a typical type deal, but when you get that buck locked down, all you have to do is make sure that that you don't spook that doe you can literally walk up, and that buck can be watching you. If you don't spook that doe, you can walk up there and shoot him. So, I mean, that's something to look out for, and just don't be scared to try that because it's worked many times for hunters. Going
3: forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kentucky?
1: Well, I think I, I would say it would be, would I would I'd want to say a 7 or 8, uh, and I would say that if we were going to get cold weather, but we're not. So I'm going to stick to probably around the five. I mean, there. I think there'll be times of, of a six, um, you know, maybe some cooler type mornings, but we're going to have some cloud cover, going to hold in heat. And, um, you know, so I'm going to stick with that. And again, I can't stress enough to all the hunters out there. They need to be sitting all day because you never know when that good activity is going to happen.
3: All right, Jeff. Well, I hope you get that cold snap and good luck going forward. Thanks for joining me.
1: All uh, right. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.
3: All right. And joining us on the line last is Shane Mowry in Idaho, the founder of Bone Maniacs. Now, Shane, in Idaho, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10?
6: I'm i I'm, I'm going to have to go with five on this one. Yeah. Uh, five meaning that, uh, you know, you got several uh, different topographies in, in Idaho, you know, in the unit wise as well. And from what I know in the units, uh, they for instance, uh, the ones that I'm real familiar with, Unit 39, 33, 36, 64, 65, and then the upper portion of the Panhandle of Idaho. Which of all the units that I, I typically hunt, um, you know, for for whitetail, um, it, it's it's been hot or cold. Um, for instance, we'll just start with the with the panhandle, and maybe uh, it has something to do with the weather because um, you know you have different resources. Everybody's got their opinions. Um, I'm usually trying to go by by what I see when I'm hunting, and and um, you know put things together on 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 what I need to do to to punch that tag, as they say. <clears throat> uh, up in the panhandle, you know, a lot of the weathers came in pretty quick, pretty much how it did last year. Uh, I think the, uh, the rut activity is just getting started up there um, from the signs we're seeing. Take for instance, the glands on the, uh, on the, on the, on the bucks that we're seeing uh, on video, um, you know, they're still dry. Um, Over in 64 and 65, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of uh, pushing from the immature bucks. And, um, you know, I would say any day now that things are going to get really turned on over there, uh, up in the 33 unit, um, around crouch, you get into that area. Um, I would say you're probably more along the lines of, um, you know, activity is, is that is peak, um, you know, as far as that's concerned. So.
3: Well, Shane, I know you hunt a lot of the Midwest as well. How would you say mid-November is different in Idaho versus some place like Ohio or Indiana? And how do your tactics differ?
6: Sure. Um, I mean, <sighs> as far as hunting the Midwest and then hunting Idaho as well, um, there's a lot of, uh, I think, things that come into play as far as the road is concerned. Um, for one, the extreme temperatures that you're going to have from, um, you know, the uh, the Midwest to uh, Idaho is, take for instance, I just came into to Indiana and, you know, the temperatures have been relatively warm, you know, uh, and the movement in deer in general uh, has been really down. And uh the agriculture. A lot of the uh, they had a wet season, um and you know, the uh, the corn uh <laughs> it was still standing on pretty much adjacent farms that I was hunting. Uh that has just went down so I'm seeing more uh deer activity um in the past two days. As far as Idaho, I mean as far as the ag is concerned, you know, there's not really a lot that's you know, uh, that they're gonna be uh you know, as far as movement is concerned and, um, you know, when, when that, uh, you know, is a, is a key factor for, you know, hunting tactics, um, you know, pinch points and things like that, as far as, you know, where you are going to set up stands, uh, if you're a stand hunter, um, tactics, as far as, you know, I know a lot of Western guys spot and stock, you know, the, uh, white tail, uh, and really, um, but as far as you know spot and stock deciduous forest uh in the midwest uh on these little pocket draws and um deep ravines that that's holding good good uh oaks um you know there's a lot of leaves it's nearly ninety nine point nine percent impossible you know for you to do any type of tactics for that, but um <clears throat> it's pretty much putting up on on good trails and and hoping for the best stroke cameras. um and and doing a lot of uh, you know, if it is in rut, uh, or pre rut, um, pretty much you're gonna have to study, you know, a lot of the deer movement if you do see a a buck in, um, try to get a good glance of, you know, what his glands are looking like. If they're not black then obviously an immature buck is gonna be starting to rut a lot earlier, um than what a good um mature buck is gonna be on his feet. <clears throat> Typically he's gonna be Pretty much uh, a nocturnal animal until those does are really in uh, full swing, uh, pesters, and there's no reason for him, uh, you know, um, to be on his feet. He's pretty much going to let those those immature bucks do all the work for him.
3: Well, going forward then in this next week or so in Idaho, what do you think the buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: Um, I would say it's probably going to be picking up. I would probably have to guess it's going to be somewhere right around at eight or nine. Um, you know, as far as that's concerned, a lot of the intel that we've gathered, uh, it should be a, a much better week. Um, one of our staff actually is over in 64 to 65 right now. And, um, he's giving me some really good reports that, you know, um, and I'm really pulling for him. So he's got his eyes on, on a good buck that, that they've been keeping track of, but, um, they haven't been able to locate him there. Um, just because mainly, you know, as far as the, the open country that they're dealing with, there is some ag there that they're hunting on, but, um, you know, they're, they're going to be ground hunters as far as, uh, you know, uh, the muzzle air tag. So, um, I'm, I'm really thinking that, uh, he should be in full swing of rut right over there.
3: Well, thanks for joining me, Shane, and good luck to you and the rest of the Bone Maniacs team. You betcha. Thanks, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Hunts RUT Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Sitka, Whitetail Properties, Whitetail Institute, Huntera, Matthews, Maven, Yeti, and Trophy Ridge. And we thank you guys for listening. Mid November is a really exciting time as a lot of states have their gun season starting to open, as well as South Dakota, and I have another rifle opener coming up here on Saturday. So if you'd like to follow along with my hunts, you can check me out on Instagram at Spencer Newhearth, where you'll also see that muley that I just harvested in South Dakota. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week, and as always,
0: stay wired to hunt. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought you check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle.